What's up, everybody? Nathan Beeler here, and you're listening to the Uplift Podcast. Before we get started today, I do want to take a moment to shout out two other podcasts. One is the Search for Truth podcast with Pastor Dusty Young and his wife, Katie Young. They are opening the word to us in a way that has absolutely just blown my mind. I can't I can't even put into words what they're doing, and they're doing such an amazing job. The other podcast I want to shout out is the Steadfast Devotion podcast with Trey Cornwell and John Calvin Chance. They are setting the podcast world and honestly our movement on fire with hashtag trend the word. And the last podcast I want to shout out is is new in this group, but they are doing such a good job. And it is This Is That podcast with Brother Oscar Aglano, Brother Michael Ricker, and Brother Nate Bumpus. They are doing such a good job over there. They are they are going deep into the word and it is awesome to, to hear the stories that they bring forward and and, and how it relates into their lives and how we can apply it to ours. And in today's episode, I have Louis Nava. Is that how you pronounce yes, it? Louis Nava. Brother Louis Nava from First Pentecostal Church. Uh, as far as I know, um, he's a very young man. <laughs> how, how old are you? I'm 30 years old. You're 30? Yeah. No way. Yeah, I'm 30 years old. I thought you were older than me. I'm 32. You're 32? I'm 32. I thought you were younger than me. <laughs> Well, I guess that's a testament. To, I, think that, I think I got more white hair than you do. Though. You probably do. I think I, you probably I do. do. I don't. I have. I think one amber oh. found up here. <laughs> Bro, if you open my head up, you'll see all of them shine the light. I, it's probably the aura. You you give off a an old school vibe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's what it is. You give off an old school vibe. But there's nothing wrong with that. I like. I like. I like that, especially when they're my age. Because guys my age is really hard to find like a like an old soul. You know what I mean. Oh yeah, that like have the have the old school mentality and 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 raising kids and stuff like that. You get and a lot of people our age are like, oh don't 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 do too much to you. Like don't. It's like no, you gotta straighten your kids out sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? You definitely do. It's <laughs> biblical for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that. So if you're young and uh, think about having kids, make sure you uh, read the Bible and uh, make sure you straighten your kids up when they need it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, so brother Louis here, he's gonna be on and uh, give us his testimony. Um, like I said, I'll be going through and interrupting here and there, asking some questions, trying to get some more details and stuff, and uh, and we'll kind of roll from there. So uh, let's start off uh, real quick before we get too into the beginning. Let's talk about where you are now, uh, like how many kids you have, what's your family looking like, and all that kind of stuff. All right. So um, I'm 30 years old. My wife is also 30. Um, my daughter, Valerie, is my oldest. She is going to be 13. Oh. Scary to say that, <clears throat> but she's uh, she's doing good. Very respectful little girl and young woman. Uh, my son Anthony is next. He is 10, going to be 11. And then my son Adrian. Everybody knows Adrian. He's all <laughs> over the place. He is eight. He's eight years old? Yep. Okay. And um, we've been coming to First Pentecostal Church for about a year. And uh, we've been loving every single bit of it. We've been loving you guys having here. Like uh, like just from the perspective of uh, from the outside, from the inside, having somebody come in like that, your family has been dynamic in, in, in just meshing with us so well. And, and, and it just feels like you've been here forever. It, it sure does. You know, and like I said, you know, I, I just feel like I've known you guys forever and 
we're just in love with the church <laughs> and I feel the love back. You Absolutely. definitely feel it. Absolutely. So that's one thing I think that's really hard to find in churches these days is, is compatibility. Um, but when you have, and I can't even tell you how many times I've seen people come into the church and immediately it's, there's an embrace and it, we, I feel like this church is so loving and just like, come on in, man, come sit at my table, please yeah. come like they're like, they're, they're honored to have you there, even though they don't know you very well. They're honored to have you like, come on, come sit at my, eat my food, man, have our kids play, you know, all that good stuff. Yes. That's definitely the, that's definitely the love of, of our father right there. You know, and uh, when I came to this church, I didn't have that, mm. you know, it was kind of, I remember a couple of the brothers came up and, you know, a few months and they would tell, they'll hug you and tell you they love you. But it was a love that you can feel. Mm. You can feel it mm -hmm. in the spirit. Kind of, I, I don't know. It, it, <laughs> it's I, different. It's I, different. I, I know exactly what and, you're talking uh, about. My wife, she felt it too. And we started asking the Lord. I said, Lord, I want to love like that too. Mm. And he, he gave us that. That's awesome. So, How long have you guys been married? We've been married for... We're going for 14 years. 14 years? 14 years. That's wild. Since high school. High school sweethearts, huh? High school sweethearts, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Nope. Uh, when me and Amber got together, she was in high school. I was already graduated. Um, I'm only about a year and something older than her, but uh, she was still in high school when we when we got serious about dating. Uh, we knew each other for a long, long time. I've known her since I was probably, I want to say 12. I've known her for that long, but uh, we didn't start dating, dating until... Until I was about 20. Longer than that. Yeah, or eh, probably longer than that. Maybe 18, 19. I can't remember anyway. <laughs> um, but that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so if you want, like I said, we'll go ahead and start from the very beginning of where you're wanting to start. And then, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll kind of throw in some questions here and there. But the floor is yours, my friend. Okay. Well, let's begin. Um, <clears throat> so I'll, I'll go ahead and start, you know, with um, I grew up in a apostolic church. My parents, you know, they were Catholic background. And then... Um, they got introduced to the Apostolic Church um, by the time I was four or five years old. How, uh, how, real quick, how, how prevalent is the Catholic background in in your world and where you came from? Um, I mean, I really don't know much about it. You know, I, I, I mean, we, oh, were you were you so young that it was okay, yeah, okay, okay. You I know, see. I remember going to it, and it's definitely different than the Pentecostal Church. <laughs> definitely, you, you different. know, and it's it's not exciting, you know, and. Very boring. You know, sorry to say. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. It's truth. true. It is absolutely true. And um, but my parents, you know, they um, they got introduced to the Apostolic Church, and they were baptized in Jesus' name. You know, they spoke in tongues, and they got into the ministry. And you know, and we saw miracle signs and wonders in our family. We saw healing. Um, but my father was. So busy with his business, so busy with the church, he never had time for his family. He couldn't balance it out. Mm. And um, my mom, you know, she had a lot of weight on her shoulders, being a mother, being part of the church, and uh, she couldn't feel like she 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 didn't feel like she had the support from her husband or or from anybody. And then uh, being Catholic before, her family didn't support her. You know, her sisters. Oh, her... Yeah, because that kind of happens, right? They yeah. like when when you get into a Catholic church, like if you leave for any reason, the whole even your own family members kind of they, there's a separation that happens and it's, it's almost like an exile. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, when my parents are going to church, you know, um, my mom began a backslide and um, all that led to divorce. And uh, 
it, it took a little while for them to get divorced, but I mean, through the whole five years that they were going through it, it was building up. I mean, hatred and violence, and I mean, us as kids, we weren't getting the attention, or you know, we were being disciplined. And how old were you? I was probably about eight, eight years old, seven years old. How many siblings did you have? I have three siblings. I, I'm the oldest out of the three. Uh, I'm about seven years older than my sister and, and my brother. They're about a year apart. And um, I was in charge of my brothers and my sisters. I had to take care of them. I had to dress them. You know, we were forced to go to church at that time. Everybody was, you know, you know, all, des- you know, um, they were sad in their days. And we didn't really want to go to church. Mm-hmm. You, know, you go to church not happy and not wanting to serve the Lord. You're just sitting there, you know, yeah. bitter. Oh, yeah. And, um, well, I remember my mom, you know, she began to talk to my aunts. And I started hanging out with my cousins from that side of the family and i mean it was the 90s all right you know you had talk about the 90s for a minute yeah i'm gonna talk about it you know we had you know everything i saw was all gangs violence Mm -hmm. and you know even the rap everything in rap in that time is different than what it is now way different yeah the snoop dog the dr dre Mm -hmm. we're in church we shouldn't talk about that but you know uh, hey it's a part of who we are yep it's it's where it I think it's really important, and not to interrupt you, but I think it's really important that we never forget that that the reason why we're here where we are today. Amen. But the reason, like, because I, obviously, we're really close in age, um, and I grew up the same exact thing. Um, I, I grew up in Goddard, which is a little far away, uh, a little ways from here, but it's the same it's the same thing wherever you go you got the people that are doing the things that they're not supposed to be doing and yep. and you're just a christian kid trying to live a christian life and and it's everywhere yep. it's everywhere you can't get away from it and if you don't have if you don't have um the right leaders i mean our church it's not like first pentecostal church when mm-hmm. i was a kid you know there's a lot of jealousy and a lot of people they weren't as friendly mm-hmm. you know everybody's going through their own thing but you know, we didn't have the leaders or the, the youth leaders, you know. I didn't have anybody to talk to, you know. So when you don't have somebody to give you advice, the enemy will put somebody there for you. Absolutely. And um, that's what happened. You know, I had cousins that were involved in gangs and uh, drug smuggling, drug pushing. And I'm talking eight, nine years old. I could hang out with those cousins because they're a family. Mm-hmm. You know, you belong to this color. You belong. If you're, yeah. you're my family. And if you're on that side of the neighborhood, you know, you don't want to go over there because you're you're my cousin and they know who you are now. Yeah. And now I know that's what my dad was trying to protect me from, mm. you know. And um, if the enemy can't, if he can't, if he if he's going to attack the family, he's going to attack the head of the, the head of household and then it's going to go down the line. And then it's going to be the wife. If he can't get the head of household, the dad, he'll get the mom. And if he can't get the mom, he'll start attacking the kids. That's what that's what he does, you know. He he divides. Yeah. And um that's what happened. You know, I um as my parents divorced, um my mom ended up running away from Oregon. That's where we're from. We're from the state of Oregon. Born and raised there. And um my mom, she moved one day she just packed her bags and said, I love you and left. Abandoned. With, 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 and you were still with your dad? Yep. Oh, and, my, wow. and he left my dad with, you know, my siblings. And um, she moved to Wichita. Now I want you guys to stay, remember that, because she came to Wichita. And um, Did she did she ever tell you why she moved to Wichita? Nope. She, uh, well, she had a, a husband that she got married to. Oh, okay. And um, 
So she she went to Wichita and she left us with my with my dad. Well, my dad was a mess. He was a wreck. Mm. Okay, he he had nobody to go to. He had no family, no friends. I mean, church friends that were just you know asking just like Job, what'd you do to God? <laughs> you know, yeah. what'd you do? This mm. is obviously your fault. Right. And uh, nobody wants to hear that when you're in, no. in the middle of a crisis. Not like that. And um, so he turned to alcohol and went back to his old ways and tried to support us. And he was left with debt and we went into poverty. And and I remember for the next year, year and a half, I just remember every day my dad would go to work, leave me the kids, and I had to take care of them. Take them to the babysitter, walk, you know, two, three miles to go to school, and then get home, pick them up. You know, put the beans and rice in the pot, <laughs> and they always burn them. So I always got yelled at it. <laughs> and um, I just remember those days: him coming home, cooking for us, putting the meal on the table, and then going to his room and drinking. Mm. And he put the Mexican music on and sit there and be miserable. And then one day I got, I got tired of it, and I said, "You know, we don't need her no more. It's just us. You need to snap out of it. You need to stop drinking, and we need to be a family, just us." That was the beginning of it. Me and my dad began to have a relationship. And uh, I grew up hating my mom. I had so much hatred for her. And uh, I remember being friends with my dad. That means I was, you know, drinking with my dad. Mm. You know, I remember having grown-up talks as an 11-year-old with my father. And uh, crying. And I remember, I'm never going to forget the, the first time I ever drank a beer. I was just crying and crying. And, and my dad, you know... It, he gave me a drink of beer, and it was just a sip, but it took all my pains away. Yeah. And I went to sleep. I slept like a baby. And that was the first time my dad ever failed me. And I know I know we talk about it now, and he apologizes, and I mean, just where we were at, you know, just worldly things. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> time passed by, you know, me and my dad, you know, I, I started growing up, started liking girls, fell in love with my wife. Uh, and uh, I wanted to be out, but my dad wouldn't let me. And uh, started getting into trouble. You know, I, I had my friends. And uh, being, you know, 11, 12 years old, and even when I was 15, all the way from 11 and up, I had friends that were adults. Oh, like, know, like our age? Yeah, almost? like yeah. our age, you know, 20s, 30s. You know, I... And that built a trust between these people because now they were giving me adult things, adult money, mm. adult work that was illegal. And and I enjoyed that money and I felt respected and I felt, I felt like I was part of something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started rebelling against my dad. I ran away when I was 14, 15 years old. I was able to get my own place because I had the money. Wow. And have my own car because I had my own money. You know, I was still going to school and nobody knew what I was doing. And, um, you went to high school still? Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> went through it all, got good grades. Nobody ever knew. I didn't tell wow. nobody. It was nobody's business. And um, That's incredible. You know, um, got my wife pregnant when we were 17 years old. My daughter was born when we were 18. My daughter was born in July, and we, had, and we turned 18 in November. Wow. And uh, things changed. I, I tried to behave and tried to get a job. Wasn't working. Um, I remember uh, trying my best to be a good father. I didn't mm. want. I didn't want. I mean, kids they just change everything. Oh, absolutely. They change everything, and uh, I thank the Lord for my daughter and 
that very moment he gave it to me, even 17 years old, he it, it kind of hit the brakes. It flipped the light going. on. Yep. Yep. And um, I remember when I got a phone call one day. I was making, you know, $12 an hour. And it wasn't working out. And I got a call from a friend who's a biker, a hell's angel. And uh, he said, hey, you know, and they used to call me Weecho back in the day. And, <laughs> Uh-oh. And, and, uh, <laughs> He said, "Hey man, he goes, I'm I'm in North Dakota." He said, "Uh, you want to make some good money in the oil field?" And I said, oh, "Man, North Dakota, they don't even have a football team out there. <laughs> what am I going to do out there? I don't even know where that's at." And he sent me a picture of his check stub and it was, I mean, I think it was like $4,000. Wow. And I said, "Man, you're making that a month?" And he says, "No, man, I'm making that every 2 weeks." That's crazy. Or every week he said. Every week. Yeah, they're making a lot of money moving that oil. Yep. Yeah. And he said, every week. And I said, man, I was like, I need to get up there. And he said, man, he goes, say the word and I'll buy you the plane ticket. I said, well, buy it. I'm on my way. <laughs> Quit my job. And I, I mean. You had your bags packed I, and everything. I didn't even pack my bags. Oh, you were just going. <laughs> I just left. Told my wife, said, I'm going to North Dakota. I'm going to make some big money. I'll be right back. Mm. I left. They didn't agree with it. Everybody was crying, don't leave. And I left anyway because I, I needed my my kids to you know have a future and um i went out to north dakota and um worked out there for you know a total eight years you were up there for eight years for eight years oh my gosh but in those eight years um i mean was it working like working a couple months and then coming back home or yeah it was it was back and forth like taking taking vacations and going back home and my, my wife ended up moving up there but when i got up there i started getting into trouble all the money that I want to say something before I say all this. Whenever you give the enemy, whenever you give the devil, when you take something from the devil or the devil gives you something, he's always going to want it back. Mm-hmm. And you're going to owe him at the end. But when God gives you something, it's forever. Yeah. Yes, sir. And um, that's what happened in my life. You know, I, I was doing some things and all the money I was making, it's like it was just going down the drain. I didn't know where my money was going. I wasn't happy. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. Um, I was I was everywhere I looked. I was surrounded by gang members and I mean people that were did thirty years in jail and now they're out and they're ready to do another thirty years. And uh, and I I didn't blend in with them, but I had respect from them. Mm. Everybody knew who I was. And uh, my wife didn't want nothing nothing with it. And uh, I remember um, my dad, you know, one day he got a hold of me and tried to straighten me up as a grown man already. And he he was going to church in and out. And, and I remember um, he said, uh, I need to stop playing with God. I mean, he didn't do it. He he's it was hard for him. He he, he had to struggle like everybody else. He was yeah. In and out of church, in and out of church, couldn't find the right one. I mean, different from one church to another, from just bouncing around from churches. And then one day, he got accused of something he didn't do. They hit that hammer on the table, and they said they gave him thirty years. Thirty years. Thirty years. Oh my god. They said you want to get out, you need to prove yourself that you're innocent. Wow. And try to get a lawyer for him, and uh, they wanted about a hundred thousand dollars. And my dad said, and that was just to get started. 
And uh, my dad said, look, I'm, I'm innocent. He says, but I'm going to tell you something. He goes, the Lord put me here. Mm. The Lord warned me. And now I'm here in prison. So like I said, he, when he tried to correct me, he was already in there for six months already, six, eight months. And the Lord was dealing with him heavy in, in jail. And he began to intercede for me. And um, one day he called me up and said, you either come to church and you give your, your life to God the easy way or the hard way. You come to church if you like it or not because I'm praying for you and I'm fasting for you. Oh, my gosh. And I said, Dad, you're crazy. I said, I ain't going to church. And I hung up on him. And I remember when I said that, my world began to collapse. Mm-hmm. It's like everything began to fall apart in my life. Isn't it? That, just that statement that you made, that your dad was praying for you, and he told you he was praying for you, every person I know that's come from a, I'll call it a sketchy background, every person I know that comes through these doors and they have the sketchy background, somebody was praying for them and they know who it was. And, 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 and that's what kept them from falling off the edge. Yep. And, um, my wife already was tired of what I was doing. And, um, you know, she moved to Oregon and I was still in North Dakota. And I remember she started going to church with her mom. And, um, I used to get mad. I said, well, you know, who are you going to go see at church? Why are you going to go to church? Mm. I, I hated the fact that she was going to church. You get a little jealous. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and one day, she, you know, and I say this because I think every every woman <clears throat> should get a hold of this. Because my wife, she uh, she looked at me straight up in the eye and she said, God's coming. And if you want to go to hell, you go by yourself. Oh, wow. She says, I'm going to heaven. I'm taking my kids. I'm responsible. These kids are borrowed. Mm. you're not going to hold me back. You're not going to hold my kids back. And she continued to go to church. Now I had another person praying for me. I had my mother-in-law praying for me. And I remember... So you didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> I was outnumbered. <laughs> and uh, that just proves to you the power of God. And uh, the Lord listens to our prayers. People that intercede. And I remember one day, you know... Um, she got ready to go to church, and I mean, she was just glowing. Mm. I got so jealous. <laughs> and I mean, I told her, let's go out for breakfast. She said, I'm going to church. Slammed the door behind her, and I remember getting up so fast. I don't know what it was, but I got up so quick, and I got dressed. And when I got dressed, I kind of looked at myself in the mirror. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> and I called. I picked up my phone. And I said, hey, babe, turn around. I want you to take me to church. She said, shut up. I'm not, you're going to make me late. I was like, I'm outside waiting. She turned around. She said, <laughs> she said, if you're not outside, she's like, I'm beating you for making me late. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was outside. Didn't get beat. That's and, good. Uh, That's good. I remember going to church and it was just awkward. And I just feel weird. Mm-hmm. It was a Pentecostal church in North Dakota. And it just, I seen people jumping and hollering and screaming and yelling and 
crying out to God and crying and people running the aisles and and the preacher began to preach, you know, my life story. <laughs> of course he, he did. And he started giving his testimony on how he was a biker and how the Lord pulled him out. He says, you just need to tell the Lord to work in your life. He goes, if you have a need, come to this altar. And it, it just kind of it hit me. <laughs> and I, I went to the altar and I said, Lord, you want me to come to church? I, I want you guys to listen to this because this is the way I talk to God. I'm direct with God. And I haven't had a problem yet. <laughs> and I said, if you want me to go to church, I need you to do something for me. I need you to take away the alcohol because I love drinking beer. Mm. I'm a beer drinker. I need you to take away the alcohol, take away the drugs. I need you to remove my friends out of my life and close every door that needs to be closed. Mm. That's all I said. They didn't feel nothing. Went no, and sat back down. No whoosh. No whoosh. <laughs> no mighty wind, no nothing. <laughs> and uh just a simple prayer. A simple prayer. I didn't feel nothing. I went back home, lived my life, picked up a beer, but something began to change. Every time I picked up a beer, that beer wouldn't go down. It tasted bitter. Mm-hmm. Every time I drank it, I'd get sick. Every time I picked up a smoke, I'd get allergies. My eyes would shut. My nose get clogged up. I'd get sick. I started getting lonely because even though I had three phones and they were all ringing at the same time, I was a popular one. They weren't ringing no more. Nobody was calling me no more. Hmm. Called my friends. They all ignored me. And one day I went back to church and it kind of just dawned on me that the Lord answered my prayer. It's about a month later. And I said, Lord, if that's you, show me. I went to the altar, prayed. I can't remember what I prayed that day, but I just, you know, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I know that's you. I've never had this problem before. <laughs> I know it's just not me. Uh -huh. You got to recognize. You got to remember what, you know, the altar that you make. And um, <clears throat> I remember I, I felt something. Didn't speak in tongues, nothing, but I, I felt a presence there. Mm -hmm. It was like a beginning. And um, I said, all right, Lord. Dropped everything. Nobody was calling me. So I got a job. I got a really good job in the oil field again. Yeah. And then, um, so I, I started trying to straighten out my life. And I told the Lord, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to straighten up. So I got a job. And I mean, the Lord began to do miracles. Okay. I remember losing that job and then couldn't get a job. And it's like the Lord began to open every single door. Little miracles. My wife, you know, money would pop up. You know, um, I remember it got to the point where they were shutting off the water and, and the light. You know, had no heater. And it's like the Lord was trying to put me in a place where I stopped depending on my hands and mm -hmm. my and depend on the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I began to cry out to God. I said, Lord, what's going on? You know, I need a job. I need, you know, unless you want me to go back to what I was doing. <laughs> 
and he didn't want that. So I began to see all these little miracles going on, and um, I ended up getting this this work or rig job. And I mean, that's the lowest of the oil field. It's good money, but uh, man, I'm talking about hard work, physical, physical, physical labor. labor. Mm. You know, get up at three in the morning and you get home at eight o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking about your fingers are swollen, yep. your neck is swollen. I mean, every part of your body is just you're just tired. And I did that, you know, for about six months. We were going to a church out there in Dickinson, North Dakota. And um, Pastor Bob Simons is out there. And um, I remember just falling in love with that church. And um, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm, I can't do this work or rig stuff forever. I'm tired. You know? How old were you then? I was, you know, 26 years old, 25 <laughs> years old. But I mean, it's it's heavy it's, work. It's very heavy work. Yeah, very I heavy know, work. I know. I know what you're talking about. You know, you don't have no energy for nothing. No. The, guy, the guys that work there, they're they're there because you know they can't get no other job because mm-hmm. the record and I know exactly. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. So you're, you're dealing with a bunch of, you know, people that have bad attitudes, and I mean, nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to be there. They're yeah. just there for the paycheck, and, and you know, it's a really negative atmosphere. Yep. Yeah, if you want to get in a fist fight, you can. You know. And, <laughs> It's just that like, bad? Yeah, that bad. <laughs> you know, and I said, Lord, I was like, I can't be in here. You know, I, I, I got to get a different job. And I get a phone call. I get a phone call from a, an engineer that I used to work for. And um, he was living in Texas now. And he said, what are you doing, Louie? And I said, uh, well, I'm on a work or rig. He's like, man, he goes, leave that. He goes, uh, come do wireline with me. And wireline, what it is, is, you know, it's like a fishing reel on a big old semi. And... Um, they hook up a bunch of explosives and they put them in the well and then you know frack they'll push it oh, down yeah the, mm-hmm. the push they'll force that tool into the horizontal you know 20 30,000 feet underground and um the tool will finally make it and then you hit the trigger the engineer will you know he's the one we, we were just the hands yeah and um i remember <clears throat> i want I, that's one of the jobs that everybody wants in the oil field mm. and he was offering it to me and i turned around and said lord you giving this to me or is it is this is the enemy you know just trying to get me out of the church I remember telling the Lord, I said, Lord, if you want me to get this job, you got to be 21 because of ATF and explosives. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And, I, and my brother was living with me at the time, and I said, Lord, if it's you, I need my brother to work with me, mm. which is impossible. Impossible. And, and Normally. I, yeah, and and I, I called my boss up, and I said, hey, man, uh, I'll go up there if, if you can hire my brother. Now, he's 18, you know, but, you know, I, I need him to go with me. I can't leave him in North Dakota because he's living with me. And he said, can't do it, man. He said, I can't. It's illegal, you know. And I said, well, I'm sorry, man. I, I can't go out there. You know, I'll just stay on the work or rig, and I'm going to church, and I'm happy. You know, and uh, going to church, I mean, I still didn't have the Holy Ghost, you know. Oh, you, had, you uh, hadn't gotten to this I, point? I, I, have, oh. I haven't had. I, I wasn't baptized. You know, I was still sneaking in a cigarette and some chewing tobacco and a beer here and there. Um. Uh, and I mean, it was all in secret, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't telling the wife, you know, I was trying to change. And, um, I remember my boss calling back up about two weeks later and he said, all right, man, he goes, we can get your brother in. We're going to fly you down here. Both of you. Wow. He said, are you guys ready to work? And I said, well, yeah. Talked to my pastor and I told him kind of how it went down. He said, try it for a little bit. See what the Lord does. And we tried it. I mean, we started working, making a bunch of money out there and we were living in Odessa, Texas. They were paying for the flights, you know, the hotels, everything. Mm-hmm. We just go to work and go home. Then go back home. Yep, there was a 20 days on, 10 days off schedule. And uh, my wife got, you know, tired of me traveling like that. She says, well, we need to move to Texas. 
or if you want, I'll move to Oregon and you go fly to Oregon and I'll go help my mom. And there's a bunch of things that she, she needed to do out there. You know, um, she had a, a sister-in-law that lost a baby and they amputated her leg. So oh, it was perfect. It was perfect timing for, for her to be out mm. there, you know? So she was living in Oregon for, for you to have that schedule and everything. Yep. Mm. So she was living in Oregon and <clears throat> we were, she was, uh, I was flying back and forth and I mean, it was all right. You know, everything was going good. And then COVID hit. It's years, years later, and COVID hit. <clears throat> and I remember um, kind of getting a little spooked out. You know, I was like, man, this whole COVID thing. And um, I remember we started going to this church. I, I called pastor, my pastor in North Dakota, and I said, I, I need a church in Oregon. You know, so I continued to go to church. And we started going to church with uh, Pastor Alfred Starr in Salem. It's called New Life. And um, same thing for their Pentecostal, you know, holy that, rolling, ho all that. holy rolling, everything. <laughs> and um, I asked the pastor. I said, Pastor, I said, I need to get closer to God, but I don't know how. And he says, Son, you baptized? And I said, um, Well, no. He says, Well, you want to get baptized? And he ran me through the whole thing, ran me through Scripture. I believed in it. And he says, Well, you need you need to get married with your wife. Mm. This is because, you know, you guys ain't married. And um, so we ended up getting married. And um, we both got baptized. You know, and um, I didn't get the Holy Ghost. At least not not yet. Mm -hmm. I didn't speak in tongues. I got baptized and I felt what I've always kind of felt. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit stronger. And um, I remember going back and forth. And I was baptized. And I started asking the Lord. I said, Lord, man. You know, I started thinking about my mom. I said, Lord, uh, I, I need you to do something for me. I'm baptized and you already forgave me for my sins. But what about my mom? There's something buried deep down that I haven't let go. I need you to, I need you to give me something because I, I need to forgive her. Because mm. I don't want to forgive her. I need you to heal me. Heal this wound. And um, I said, if, I, if I'm going to live for you, I, I can't have things hidden. Because I know you know it all. Yeah. And he healed me. I remember one day calling my mom. And uh, I remember her voice and I remember her crying. And she never thought I was going to talk to her again. Um, It was about... 16 maybe 18 years without talking to her wow and she tried to reach out to me to ask for forgiveness throughout the years i'd always shut the, the door on her in her face and always cussed her out and didn't want nothing to do with her you were not allowed to see my kids you couldn't see my wife you know and my wife tried to make things right and i, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't allow it you know that's how bad the situation was and um and my mom began to cry and uh I said, Mom, I just want to tell you that I got baptized. And uh, I want to say I, I forgive you and I love you and God bless you. I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> and uh, she cried and said she loved me and God bless you and hung can, up. Can Real quick, um, because I'm a huge preponderant of forgiveness in any situation, in any circumstance. Can you go into a little bit more detail about what the, the, the forgiveness did for you personally? Oh, it was just 
because it wasn't that somebody needed to forgive you. You were forgiving someone else and someone very close to you. And sometimes those wounds are the deepest. And like you said, they don't go away. They're they're, they're there for a very long time. And I think it's really important um, for everyone to understand how crucial it is to have forgiveness in your heart for even those that hurt you the, the the worst that cut the deepest how how important it is for you and, and and even if they don't care that you forgave them or not it's important for you to forgive for your own growth why don't you go, can you talk about that for just a little bit yeah so <clears throat> it all started because i asked the lord just like david he said lord let me see my sins through your eyes mm. okay i wanted to get right with god and the lord showed me that he showed me that I hadn't forgiven my mother. And um, just like a wound, you, you cut yourself. If it's a pretty good wound, you have a scar on your flesh. You know, you have a scar on your spirit. You have a marking of that wound and that damage that was done to your flesh. Mm. You always remember that, what happened. You know, if it's deep enough, you'll feel it when you move and it gets cold. Well, I felt it in the spirit that I needed to fix that wound. And the only one that can remove that wound, that scar, that marking, was God. It was like chains being broken off of me. Okay. It was not just something that, you know, was haunting me in the back, my conscience, but it was chains. It was a weight. You know, it's like a bucket list. You know, it crossed that one out. Mm. You know, it just. It, it, I don't know how to explain it. It just did it help that how did it help you like understand what it took for you to now? Okay, so I got baptized, and and now moving through the parts of my life that I need to make mm-hmm. make right with God, and, and then when you forget like like that, how much of a big how much of a step was that? Like, oh, it was. I mean, I started running after that <laughs> because you guys already heard. You know, the Lord took the alcohol, the drugs, and the friends away. You heard my prayer, but now he took away, he healed me from something. Mm. Okay. I was, I was learning. That's a very good way to put it. I was learning, learning that if you ask the Lord to heal you from something, asking the Lord, I can't do this without, without you. Mm-hmm. I can't forgive this person or I, I, I just can't get over this, this hill without you. Mm. That's a, I, I like the way you put that. I'm going to start using that because yeah. unforgiveness does require healing. Like you need forgiveness to, yeah, the, I, I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to steal that because that that's yeah. really good. When you depend on the Lord to, when you depend on the Lord to help you, if you ask for help, if you knock, it will be given to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's things that we can't do. The alcohol, marijuana. You know everything. You know everybody says, "Well, God made wine," so I, I stuck to that. I, I stuck to that beer. I stuck to that beer. I didn't want. I'm not alcoholic anymore. I'm just drinking one beer with my steak. Yeah. You know marijuana. You know it comes from the ground. God made it. You know, so there's nothing bad. Uh-huh. I'm not. I don't do it all the time. I just do it here and there. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, okay. We make excuses. Mm-hmm. But you, there's gonna be a point where you gotta ask the Lord. This is what I asked the Lord. I said, Lord. Where I'm standing right now, am I gonna go to heaven? Exactly. If you can't right now, would I go to heaven? And it's like the Lord, and I started asking the Lord, Lord, I want to see my sins through your eyes. Show mm-hmm. me, show me where I'm, where I'm falling, where I'm lacking. 
and he showed me my mother that's awesome the one beer that i'm hiding because <laughs> i wasn't drinking that in front of my wife mm-hmm. i was doing it with all the big bosses in the oil field and oh yeah during sales and when, couple, when it's the easiest yep mm-hmm. and um so i called my mom i uh um I'm, i kind of got right with her you know i made that phone call i still hadn't seen her and then covid hit um we already baptized my wife you know she 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 had the holy ghost and speaking in tongues right out, right out of the baptism hallelujah <laughs> and um i remember going to um packing when, when the covid hit they started closing all the the airports and yeah it started getting scary and i said i called my wife i said you know what you guys are moving to texas because what happens if they close the airport and i can't go i can't go home and i get stuck out here you don't know where it's gonna end up yeah so they packed their bags you know um we ended up going to going moving to texas and um uh on our way down there i already had a place that i was gonna rent you know and we get up there and there's people living in that house and i call the landlord i say hey man what's up you know i already gave you the money and you know what's up with the house and he said well they were supposed to be moved out well now he can't kick them out because of because covid of COVID. oh man so I said, yeah, you know what? It's no problem. Just give me the money back and I'll I'll find something else. I've seen other houses that we could go get. You know, so we got a hotel. We started looking around. Well, I'll tell you what, the Lord began to shut every single door <laughs> in Odessa and Midland. Really? In a three hour radius. I could wow. not find a place to live. So I was I had to work. I had a you know, my days off were over. We spent it driving in Texas. So mm-hmm. we were staying in a hotel for like, I don't know, you know. Way too long. Yeah, way too long. I mean, our money just started going down the hill. Mm-hmm. And um, we couldn't find a place. Well, the word, I, I had talked to my brother about it. We, The word got to my mom. And uh, my mom one day called me and said, son, she says, um, I, got a, I got a room in the back of my house. It's a very large room. And, you know, um, I would love for you and your wife and your kids, you know, to come down here. I love, I love to meet my grandkids. And your wife. And uh, I had kind of swallowed my pride, you know, because I, I already had forgiven her. But it, there's something there that. It was already like a, a, a habit of, of, of like recoiling from mm-hmm. her and not wanting to. Yeah. I and, and I remember I had a. I mean, I had a swallow my pride. I said, Lord, help me. And I said, you know what, Mom? I love it. I'd, I'd love for that to happen. So we, we drove to Wichita. And. uh they were staying there and she said you know you guys could stay here as long as you need until you guys find a place well i mean two months started passing by we couldn't find a place you know and um i started asking the lord i said lord what's going on you not want us in texas you know what's going on and uh we were going to church i started getting a little you know when you stop going to church for a little bit you don't feel that your cup is not yeah. is not full anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets halfway and then it gets, you know, quarter way and then it gets dry and then you're begging for more. And that's where I was at. I was saying, Lord, I was like, I need to get filled again. And uh, I started getting a little desperate. I started saying, Lord, and I was staying in my in my room and at work in my hotel. I started saying, Lord, I, I've been baptized. I paid my tithe. I've been faithful. At least I think I've been. Yeah. You know? Where are you at? How come I haven't spoken in tongues? 
And I'm starting to question if, if this is even real. Mm. And I started opening the Bible and I started saying, Lord, Acts 2.38 says this. I started saying, Lord, where are you at? How come I haven't been filled? Like my pastor and all the elders and mm -hmm. why? And um, I started questioning the Lord and I began to thank him. I started, it's like he, he reminded me of where he pulled me out of, mm -hmm. you know, my childhood all the way up, everything that I was growing up to be, you know, pulled me out of a pit completely, you know, I was leaving clean, felt good, looked better, it's getting chunky, <laughs> and um, I just started thanking the Lord for what he has done, and that very moment, it just like, came down it just washed over you it just came over me wow and i'm talking about it came down heavy i spoke in tongues for hours in my room by myself i didn't have a choir i didn't have a pastor preaching brimstone you know and it was just me and god and the lord filled me there spoke in tongues and i cried i said god and i know you're real mm. oh hallelujah i know you're real and um Thank the Lord, and it was a lot easier to say no to the alcohol after that. Yeah. <clears throat> it was a lot easier to say no to the cigarettes, you know, and say no to the stress, have peace in those moments at work when you just cuss the wall, you <laughs> cuss the tools, and yell at your workers, and, and, uh, I, I got big in the oil field. Mm. Just like when I asked the Lord for a new job, he gave it to me. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm tired of being an operator. I want to have one of those engineer jobs. And I said it playing around, but I meant it. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? He gave it to me. I didn't have a degree for that. But the Lord put an old man, his name is Leon. And uh, that man taught me everything he knew. And he put the word in for me. And I got the job. Wow. I went from making, you know, 80 to 100 grand to, you know, I was about to make, you know, I, I was almost done with my training, but the Lord had something different. Mm -hmm. I was about to make about 150 to, you know, if I wanted to work half the year, it was about 150. Half the year? Half the year. Oh my gosh. And it's, you know, and that's what the schedule that's, you know, you know, 20 days on, 10 days off. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really working half the year because I still got days off. And uh, there's guys that are making 350000 a year. That's crazy. And, uh, I mean, that's, you're talking about $30,000 a month, uh -huh. you know, take home. And uh, I just saw green everywhere I went. <laughs> I said, man, I made it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And uh, my family's living in Wichita, and I was really filled with the Holy Ghost. And I said, God, I said, I'm going to bring my kids out here. I, I found a little church, a church in Odessa. It was also called New Life, or no, it was called Life Challenge. Mm. And um, Daniel Smelsner, a powerful church. I fell in love with the people. Um, but my family, they never went because they were in Wichita. Mm -hmm. And um, I started asking the Lord, I said, all right, Lord, well, find me a place out here so I could bring my family out here. And uh, I went home, and I always listened to, you know, YouTube, you know, you know, preaching and sure, sure. I started listening to like Josh Hearing and you know all these heavy hitters. Mm -hmm. And 
one of them was talking about, you know, with the whole COVID thing. They're saying, you know, if if God does, if the if the church is never open, will you be able to find the Holy Ghost in your home, in your wow. living room? Mm-hmm. Are you the choir? Are you the preacher to your children? He started, you know, preaching all that, and I said, Lord, I said, Am I? Am I gonna fill the Holy Ghost with my kids? So I went home and we had church. I tried to preach the best I could, open a couple of scriptures and just talk to my kids with love and and the Holy Ghost came down. In the back of that room, it was just me and my wife and my kids. And everybody got filled. Oh, that's awesome. My my son Adrian got filled, the little one. My daughter Valerie got filled. Turned around, everybody's crying. Except for my son Anthony. He was over there kind of like wondering around, like, what's going on? You know, kind of awkward. He didn't know He didn't know what was going on. Like he knew, but he didn't know how to tap into that. Mm-hmm. And I started asking the Lord, it's like, why, why, why aren't you feeling my son? And I started laying hands on him and trying to pray for him and love him and nothing would happen. And, it, and we got done praying and everybody was dismissed. And I, I, I went in. I went to the truck and I started asking, Lord, why didn't you fill my son up? And he just cut me. I said, is my son going to be left behind? Mm. What about my son? And it just, I, I, I couldn't leave it alone. You know, no man left behind. That's, that's my that's my son. And uh, my days off were over. I had to go back, back to work. And I drove back. And on the way home, I, I started asking, Lord, I said, I need, I need an answer, Lord. Why didn't you fill my son up? And he started putting, the Lord talks to me through YouTube. <laughs> he puts pre, I, he puts preaches on there and it's like, he answers my, my thoughts. And that is so funny. It's it just like, Lord, okay, I got you. I'm going to, there's times where he, I've opened a preaching and it's like preaching from 1990, <laughs> you know, and the BOT, you know, uh-huh. because of the times and, uh-huh. and it was updated 45 minutes ago or one hour ago. And I look at my watch, and I'm like, I just got done praying about an hour ago. Mm-hmm. It just got uploaded. <laughs> Thank the Lord. <laughs> and uh, he began to put preachings. Everything had to do with the Sabbath and Noah. Noah found faith in the eyes of the Lord. And and um, he started talking about, you know, your family, being there for your kids. I said, okay, Lord, I, I get the point. I said, now tell me what you want. What do I do? Mm. And he spoke to me, and when I got to Texas, he spoke to me in my room, and he said, ask for your Sundays off. I said, my Sunday's off? I was like, all right. What am my boss? And I said, hey, man, I, I need my Sundays off. This Sunday off? I said, no, every Sunday. Every Sunday. I just need four Sundays. He says, well, you have 10 days off. I said, well, now I want four days off, and I want my Sundays. Mm. And he says, well, we can't do it because then we have to fix schedule and all the schedules be mixed around and we need you i said look man i said i got baptized i got the holy ghost you know the lord spoke to me i need my sundays off and he kind of just laughed and chuckled about it and i said look man i'm serious mm. i need my sundays off and he said look man he said that's the schedule you have a contract you got hired here this was the schedule and we can't change it i said look man i know the religious stuff you know and the laws yeah. you guys got to respect and he said look man that's in the contract so you got 10 days to do whatever you want, to go to church for 10 days if you want. The 20 days. Yeah, the 20 days you're stuck at work. Mm. And I said, okay. 
I said, well, okay. So I went back. I went back. And I started praying in the shop. I said, Lord, I said, what do you want me to do? He said, ask him for your Sundays off. And he said, I went back and I said, man, I really need my Sundays off. And he said, you know what? I said, no. I said, Lord, what do I do? And he, I in my head. I said, Lord, what do I do? And he said, the Lord spoke to me right there in the office. And he said, your son or the money? Wow. Oh, when it hit your wallet, mm-hmm. you start thinking, well, my kids got to go to college. My kids need this. My kids don't have a home. And I said, well, Lord, it's going to be my kid. It's going to be my son. That was my answer. I said, look, I, I need my Sundays off. And he said, look, sit down. And he sat me down and had all the big head honchos there. And he said, look, he said, we have laid off 8,000, almost 9,000 people out of our company. Because of COVID. Because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Out of all those people, there's only 400 and maybe 500 people left. And you're one of them. We chose you. You're one of the favored ones. You have a great career ahead of you. He said, just follow the schedule, make your money, and go home. And I said, I need my Sundays off. I don't care about your schedule. I need my Sundays off. I need to go to church. And he said, I can't can't do it. I'm sorry. I said, no, I'm sorry. You got two weeks to find my replacement. And that is so, (laughs) I'm sorry, that is... That is awesome. I remember right when I said that, it's like the enemy began to put every single thought, every mm-hmm. single... Every, all, all the worries, all, all my, the stress, all the anxiety. All uh-huh. my dreams of buying the boat I wanted, <laughs> the truck I wanted, uh, just every single toy that I was about to buy. Oh my gosh. I saw all, all the other engineers and I was going to be just like them. Mm-hmm. You know, I already had my plans of where I was going to put my money. I had it all planned out. The enemy reminded me of that. I actually had a book of my, my you know, two, five-year plan, what I was going to do. There you go. And it was going to work. Mm-hmm. And um, my boss says, are you sure that's what you want? You sure? So are you sure you're not going to give me Sundays off? <laughs> and I said, I need my Sundays off. I went home, packed my bags, because I was leaving right there. Mm-hmm. And it felt so good. It's like the Holy Spirit was all over me. I went in my room, started worshiping and praising. And I That's knew that, awesome. I knew the Lord was with me. Mm. I said, Lord, I'm not crazy. I know you're speaking to me. Counsel me. Bring peace right now. Put a hedge of protection over me, because I'm going home. You're going to fill my son up. And um, the boss called me and tried to get me to stay, and everybody tried to get me to stay. And uh, I just went full throttle back to Kansas. <laughs> Didn't even look back. And um, I went home and began to search for the Lord. And uh, I called my pastor in Oregon. I said, look, pastor, I said, uh, I need I need you to find me a church. Quit the oil field. The oil field. And he said, hallelujah. <laughs> he said, come back, son. We need you out here. <laughs> That's funny. And I, I said, uh, oh, and I got the Holy Ghost, by the way. Oh, amen. 
come back, son. You coming back? I said, well, not right now. I said, I need a word from the Lord. And uh, I, I need you to find me a church here in Wichita. He said, all right, let me let me search around, see what I find. And uh, he called me back, not even like five, ten minutes later. And he said, Brother Nava, he said, uh, you know who Bishop Cornwell is? <laughs> and I said, no, sir, I, I don't. He said, well, I suggest you look for him. That's a man of God right there. He says, I'm going to send you a church that's a gold mine. Mm. I said, amen, brother. I thank you. He's already spoke to Bishop, and he'll be waiting for you. And uh, I came in. We were welcomed. I began to see kids dance and jump, and I felt the Holy Ghost in this place. I felt it. Never felt it like that before. Mm. And I remember sitting in the pew one day. I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Need some confirmation. <laughs> I walked into the church, and uh, uh, Sister Lashbrook came up to me and says, "Oh, we're so happy for you guys to be here." I didn't even know who she was, and she says, "You guys, you guys have found a gold mine." <laughs> Exactly what my pastor my my pastor said. Mm-hmm. It was just there, ringing, and I remember seeing you know the kids dance and jump, and I said, "Lord, I want to feel what that kid is feeling. I want to feel what that guy just the guy that just ran. I want to feel what he feels." And I heard the Lord say, "Go, take off, go." And I remember the first time I. I was so nervous to go to the altar. <laughs> I was so nervous. I, I remember uh, I um, <clears throat> I closed my eyes and I walked up there. And I opened up real quick to make sure I wasn't bumping into nobody. <laughs> and I walked up to the altar and the presence of God was just there. Mm. The Lord showed me how to dance and jump, cry out to God, just worship and praise. And I always have those thoughts just reminding me of, I, I remind myself of what he, he's done for me mm-hmm. it's easy to forget sometimes and um, and and then they sh- the church closed the church closed for a little bit because of COVID and um, I remember <clears throat> I remember going back home and, and just searching for the Lord searching for the Lord and um I remember the Lord began to work in my life, you know, and that's, I mean, just that two, three months, it, it's, it's a whole different testimony. You know, um, I had a pastor that prophesied over me in church and everything he said came true in order too. Wow. Uh, pastor Scott prophesied over my life. That's, that's a whole nother testimony <laughs> right there. You know, it'll take another hour or so. I did say you'd come back on. So, <laughs> Amen. And uh, he prophesied over my life and things begin to happen. And uh, I remember the Lord asked me to stop working. I had to put my faith in, in him. And he took everything away, took my pride. I Before, I mean, I was making the money. Mm-hmm. I was taking care of my family. Yeah. And the Lord said, now I'm going to take care of you. I didn't have a job because the Lord told me to quit it. <laughs> and uh, he, began, he began to provide. There was people in the church that came up to me and, 
they didn't even know our situation. And he said, hey, uh, the Lord has spoken to me. He wanted me to give you this. Open up the envelope full of money. Mm -hmm. I fall on my face right there and cry out to God. We pray out to God when our bank account said negative 20, negative 100. Wake up the next morning, open the bank account, and it had $300 in it. Just miracle after miracle after That's miracle awesome. because of obedience. And Pastor Story came out here one day. And I remember he laid hands on my son, my son Anthony. And he got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's awesome. I mean, slain. <laughs> he got slain. He couldn't even stand up. He couldn't even walk. I mean, I remember he was speaking in tongues so strong that put up, they baptized him. He got out speaking in tongues, left the church speaking in tongues, <laughs> went to sleep speaking in tongues. Oh, my goodness. And he woke up still speaking in tongues. Wow. And the whole night, I, the presence of God was in our home. And uh, I still wasn't working. And we were making any money. And then one day we were sitting here and I said, I told my wife, I said, you know what? Just let's go pray. We need to go to church and pray. And it was, you know, random day, like a Tuesday or a Monday or something. There's nobody in the church. And we began to pray. And Sister Vanessa walks in right when we were finishing praying. We told her our situation. And she said she was going to talk to uh, Gene Foster. Gene and Brother Foster. Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, they got me situated. And I remember. You know, they offered me a job, and I said, Lord, I said, if this is your will, give me a sign. I remember Pastor Bankins came up to me one day, and he said, Brother Nava, he said, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, he said, don't don't walk to that job, son. I said, what? And he said, he said, run to that job. Because <laughs> that's what it is. Because that's from God. Mm. And Bishop, he confirmed it. You know, and I mean, just miracle after miracle. That's begin to happen. That is so awesome. And uh, I left. I left a lot of big parts. I looked at the time, and it, I just got so many, <laughs> so many miracles that the Lord has done. You know, and I'll end it with this. Talk to the Lord the way you speak to your best friend. Mm. Better yet, talk to Him like. You speak to your dad or your mother. Come to God like like a father, like a baby. If you're a parent and and your baby begins to cry, says, I'm hungry. You're not going to deny your son this meal of the day. Right. If he says, Mom, I, I, I'm sad, you're not going to come. You're, you're going to comfort your son. You're not going to ignore him. You want to know what's wrong with your child. And that's the way God looks at us. God, my finances. God, the sin I have in my life. God, this, this emotion that I can't get rid of. God, this, these people that are in my life, get rid of them. Close these doors. And keep them shut. Don't let the enemy open that door. I need you to. I need you, Lord, to 
to shut this door. I need you to heal me. Cry out to God, and God will answer you. Every time. There's times where you got to find a place where you can just yell. You know, some parents, they tell your kid, go <laughs> yell at a pillow, and that feels good. Mm-hmm. Well, I like to drive around the highway in the middle of the night, stop in the middle of the road, and it's pitch black, and there's no cars, <laughs> and I'm by myself. And I'll bend my knees on the side of the road and cry out to God and yell. I'll lose my voice right there. And I'll cry out to God, Lord, hear me. Mm. Are you even listening to me? Hear me, oh God. You spoke to me once. You could do it again. I need an answer. I need a miracle. We need to learn how to cry out to God. Amen. You know, um, there's a lot of things in my, my testimony, but I think that's... That's what I want to leave with, leave here, leave you guys with is learn how to cry out to God, talk to God, you know, because um, He's listening. He's listening all the time. He's listening and He cares, and He He just cares. He loves us. He loves us so much. I think the important part um, that you grasped onto, and you mentioned it earlier, is the obedience. Because if you're, if you're seeking after God and you're seeking after what he wants in your life, you've got to understand when you need to bend the knee and say, okay, I'm going to do what you told me to do. That's right. And I think your testimony is perfect for that because over and over again, God required you to do something that you didn't want to do. And it would seem that to the world, you are making a mistake. But when God's telling you, you need to quit your job, when God's telling you, you need to move in with your mother that you haven't talked to in 16 years, when God's telling you, you know, all these things that you need to do that you, and you've got, and now the ball's in your court to make a move so that you can get closer to him. That's a, that, that, that part right there, I feel like is, is the key to unlocking all of the things that you need in your life that God's got for you. Amen. I think that that's the most important part. And a lot of people miss because they want to follow God. They want to be in his will, but they're not willing to give up on the thing that they think is important in their life. Amen. And God is very quick to show you how important things are in your life and what things are important in your life. And I'm sure you know that very well. That's right. And just, just remember, you know, that the things that the Lord gives you is forever. You know, he, he didn't give me what I had in the oil field but it's better in his way. Mm-hmm. I've never I've never had this much peace. I've never had this much time with my children. That's the that's the thing. The money, it means nothing. I'm I'm closer to God. Absolutely cuz I imagine you're not making half as much as you were making working over there. Yeah. But I'm I'm still making good money and I'm comfortable. You exactly, and, you're comfortable. You follow God. Yeah. You're comfortable. He's taking care of you. You're you're more at peace. You're at home. You're with your family. That's right. More than ten days out of thirty. I'm here at church. You're here at church every Sunday. I'm here. I'm here as much as I can. You know, we're here Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. You know, and we're here Wednesday. You know, and I can't get enough of being in the house of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's what God has done for me. I Praise love God. the Lord. I've I've I have a personal relationship with our God. Mm. And. I pray that anybody that's listening to this broadcast right now, that they will seek 
a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father, the creator of this universe, because <laughs> he can give you he can give you anything. Absolutely. You just got to ask. Absolutely. He'll be given to you. Oh, praise God. Well, Brother Louie, I, I really do. I appreciate you coming on. I would like you to close this out in prayer, please. Yes, sir. Heavenly Father, God, uh, I just want to thank you, Almighty God, for everything you've done in my life, Lord. Whoever's listening and is struggling, Lord, I ask you, Lord, to give them the words to pray. Lord, put a hedge of protection, my Lord, where it's just you and them, where they can just cry out to you, Almighty God. I intercede for that person right now, Almighty God, that needs a personal relationship with you, my God. Lord, show them, my Lord, your glory. Show them that you are there for them. Lord, you're on that throne, but you're not just sitting there. Lord, you are fighting for us. And I thank you, Almighty God. I thank you, Jesus, for what you do. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this moment. I thank you, Almighty God, for the Holy Spirit that guides us. Thank you, Almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. This has been the Uplifting Podcast because it is uplifting. <laughs>